0: Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. WG, the same day, $17 and a check for 170 By the way... In all my dealings of ministry where someone feels led to bless you or whatever, let me tell you, a $170 check is not the normal increment for anybody. Okay? It's like, here's 50 bucks. Here's a 20. You know, here's a couple hundred. But 170 is very deliberate and absolute. So if the angel wrote it or someone was led to write it, Lord, are you sure 170 Yeah, I got a great sense of humor. Wait till this you see how this lands on Joey Brand's lap in 1995. This is a kicker. This is going to make us all laugh in heaven. Watch the angels with me. We're going to laugh. Watch Joey Brand grumble for 10 minutes, driving home with $17. And now he's like, put, put, put the check in the box. Who is this person? I know who the person is. They never sent a check again. I didn't know the name. I never saw it again. The check cleared. You see, all the grand and great promises that God has for us, there's a simplicity in it. Gas in the car, the food you need, the fear of the doctor visit, the fear of a surgery, a procedure being done, going forward with a loved one gone and no longer around. This time next year, you are going to have a baby. It's like a full circle. It just goes full circle. Are you following me here? It's like full circle. Nations and kings, but really, you know, I'll tell you what Sarah's interested in in the age of 90. She's not concerned about that. I can't really say for sure, but thinking of my own life, I don't think she's so caught up on like the kings, believing God for kings and kings and nations. I'm just trying to believe God for the baby. Because I look in the mirror and I'm looking older and I don't even have a menstrual cycle anymore. So I'm just going to stick with baby number one before we get too far down the road of these promises to a nation, nations and kings. And Abraham, I'm glad he showed you the dust of the earth and the stars of heaven. But right now, just the baby showing up after three decades would be really nice. Just going to the baby clothes store, going to just wherever savers and finding some baby clothes, like that would be really cool. And what does God say? It's her world. Nations and kings is not her world. She won't see the nation or the nations or the kings. That's for for another time. Her world is having a baby at 90. And the Lord comes to her and her home on this day and says to Abraham, Sarah's going to have the baby this time. I love it. This should encourage everyone else in the room right now because it tells me and affirms to me and affirms to all of us. God is in the details and he cares very much personally about your life. He's got galaxies and an endless universe out there, but he knows the hairs on your head. And he knows your needs. And he knows if you've got $17 in tips and how to put a $170 check in the mailbox the same day, he knows. He knows what sign to give you to show you he's got you. He knows who to send, when to send him, what to send, how to send to affirm to you the baby is on the way. It's don't give up on the promises of God. For your life, the baby is on the way. What he's teaching you, how he's breaking you down, what he's working in your life. It's his grand universal panoramic, and it comes back to this. We just want to feed our kids this week. The baby's on the way. He made it personal. He reaffirmed the promise in his most basic form to her life. Not a nation. You, Baron, having the baby at age 90. Have a great nine months. See you next year. I'll See you next year. Thumbs up from the king. I love it. Be encouraged. God knows your personal needs, and his promises are not just universal for his church, but they are very personal and applicable to your personal life and mine. And what we're called to do. So trust in him, obey him, and go for it with him, whatever he might show you. Now, as we think about, is anything too hard for the Lord? It brings it back to the baby. But we see in verse eleven the limits of us. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old. That's one thing to think you're old. It's another one the Holy Spirit records for all history that you're old. Abraham and Sarah were old. Not just we're old, they're well advanced in age. It's a daily double for being old. It's like someone says, you look old. In fact, you look very old. It's like, wow, like, it's just the way it is. They're well advanced in age, and Sarah's past the age of childbearing. it literally means she's passed her menstrual cycle. She is not able to to have a child physically. It's past that time. She's gone through menopause. It's just, it's not possible. Now, this child is not like the virgin birth, but it's still miraculous. And we need to believe God for the miracles, and we'll, we'll come back to that, because there's anything too hard for the Lord. But Sarah laughed within herself, and I think there's a bit of all of us in Sarah's comment within herself. After I've grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also. I said this Tuesday, I think, and last week perhaps, is that if you look in the mirror too long, you're not going to like what you see for a couple of reasons. You might really like what you see and be prideful, which means you're going to get crushed. Or you might look in the mirror and really be like, wow. And be totally disheartened. Right? Way to go, Idaho. You know, like if you look long enough, like I always say just look in the mirror long enough to brush your teeth. Comb your hair and get on with it or shave. Do whatever you got to do. For me personally, when I look in the mirror, I'm more inclined to get discouraged because I think, how can God use me? And it's amazing that God has even used me. But he wants to use me and he wants to use you. But in believing God, that is anything too hard for the Lord, we do have to get past the limits of what we see in the mirror. We have to get past our self-imposed limits of our confidence, which probably goes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction, or our beaten down limits because we're just, well, it'll never happen. And you sound like Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh, you know, well, you know, and it happens to everyone else, but never me. And why would God work through my life? And it can even be a false humility that way. For every promise that the Holy Spirit wants to affirm to your life and your circumstances, there are plenty of self-doubts you can pull from to have to worry that will war against those promises. What if and what about that and this and that and everything else? And you got to stare them down and they might come from within you. They might come from the devil and his fallen legions. But they come. After we lost our first child, Jesse, at full term, I didn't realize at the time, but time would show when our next four children would come in the next nine years hannah leah timothy and luke and it was so wonderful to have all four kids together this weekend timmy's back from alaska after 100 days with harley tugs up there and hannah's in town for the bradley wedding down in vista today they visited my mom before the wedding bradley's of course are our in-laws leah married to bradley so another bradley's getting married so they're there jennifer's down there tonight and then Nikki cook from calvary Hannah's friend that graduated Vanguard with her and went to school with her at Calvary, she's doing her wedding celebration tomorrow at Marietta. So, Hannah gets a double wedding this weekend. She gets the one today and tomorrow. So, she flew in Thursday, goes home Monday. You parents with multiple kids, you'll understand this. And even with a few kids, you need to understand once they start leaving, it it can just be a matter of a few days. We're all together, and it's short increments, especially when one lives in Florida and another's moving out of state again. This is really special. I look at my kids and they're laughing, having fun last night at Leah's. Like, oh, what joy! Praise the Lord! And I'm filming, and I just—it's just so much joy. They're all dancing, and the grandkids are dancing, and it was awesome. But you know, there was a day when we lost our first child that I, I really wrestled to believe God for having a baby and hearing a baby cry. That was our baby. And when Hannah—excuse me—when Jennifer was pregnant with Hannah, and Jennifer was a high-risk pregnancy. And we were on Medi-Cal at the time, 80s. And because it couldn't really pinpoint what happened with Jesse, our first child, it was just every week of the pregnancy. See, that's why when I talk to any pregnant woman or dads of pregnant women, I know three trimesters. I know what's going on in the body, in the body of the baby at 29 weeks, 30 weeks, 31. I, I understand what's 36, you're pretty much ready. I know all that. Because I've walked through that by faith with four kids through each trimester, trusting the Lord. And all the kids were high-risk pregnancies. But when Jennifer was near the end of her third term, trimester, third trimester, and close to full term, which is where we lost our son, see, when people lose children early on, as they get farther down the road, they feel better about the safety of the baby and more secure about the delivery of the baby. It's a natural thing. If you lost a baby at 12 weeks or miscreated eight weeks you feel better at 30 weeks 32 weeks and each week magnifies the chances of the baby living but when you lose a baby at full term you just never arrive like it's always a high-risk pregnancy and there was a saturday night and i've told the stories a few times but not that many times actually where jennifer started to just be overwhelmed with anxiety we're in the apartment there on Bobby and vista and she so said, we got to go to the doctor. I don't feel like the baby's moving. This is what happened with Jesse. we got to go to the doctor and, and this and everything else. I'm like, God, just, Lord, I don't know what to do. I just believe that you've got us on this one. What do we do? Do we go down again and go back on the sonogram and the stress test, fetal stress test and all that stuff? I, Lord, I just can't. This is just overwhelming. And um, the Lord put on my heart, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Like it came, it came so powerfully to me, the just shall live by faith. Trust me. And, and I was like, okay, Lord, well, you need to confirm that to Jennifer. And I ran to Jennifer and I said, Jennifer, right now God gave me a verse and right now he's giving you a verse. What is the verse? And she looked at me and said, the just shall live by faith. I said, we're not, we're not going anywhere. God has spoken to us. God is bigger than our fears. And God is personal to us. And we can't look at being the high risk pregnancy. We can't look at these things. We need to trust God. And our confidence has to be more than Dr. Eisenhower, who is a good OBGYN. He delivered Hannah and he delivered Luke. To me and Luke were delivered through Medicaid random doctors in Virginia. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Really? You have your stories. These are just mine. I remember when Hector just said, you got some crazy good stories. I'm like, yeah, so go leave Planet Church and get your own. Because you got some now too. Now Hector has them. It's life. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And you see, we can't look at the limitations of What causes fear. We can't dwell on those things because faith and fear are, are contrary to each other. and We can't dwell on those things that dishearten us and overwhelm us. And you see, there's a difference between what we're talking about here tonight and say like John the Baptist. Because remember, when John the Baptist said, are you the one or we look for another? Now, John the Baptist had doubts. But he had doubts about the person of Jesus Christ being the Messiah. Are you the one or do we look for another? But we tend to get doubts about us. We, some of us are more guarded than others to so not get our hopes up. We have guarded optimism or guarded faith. Because we had parents that say they do things and didn't do them. We thought we were going to get the job and then we didn't get the job. I mean, we've all had different experiences. But my point on the second point is, it's, it's, we don't want to focus on our limitations and our fears and our insecurities and these things that keep us from trusting God for his promises. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit says the Lord. And there in the book of Zechariah God says concerning Zerubbabel who was in charge of rebuilding the temple and the people were greatly discouraged. He said, "Who are you, O mountain, to stand before my servant Zerubbabel? Before my servant you will become a plain." Is anything Too hard for the Lord. You will build this temple with shouts of praise with the capstone being laid. Zechariah chapter 4. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Pastor Chuck's sister, before he was born, she died as a two-year-old. And the parents ran down there to the Pentecostal church. And the mom, Chuck's mom did it, and cried out for mercy. And they laid hands on her dead body and cried out to the Lord. And Chuck's dad came home and went down to beat up the preacher. He was so upset. And he showed up and he fell on his face weeping as his child was there dead. And they cried out to the Lord. And God raised her from the dead. And that was Chuck's sister his whole life. And Chuck's dad faithfully served the Lord from that day on the rest of his life until he died in the plane crash at Camp Pendleton. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And Chuck was born a few years later and he was dedicated to the Lord because his mom made a vow to the Lord that day when God raised her dead, the dead body of their daughter. If you give me a son, I will give him to you all the days of his life. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Do not look at the limitations and the fears you see in the mirror, but look up in the Lord who says, you're going to have a baby this time next year. Is anything too hard for the Lord? We're past the time of childbearing. Is anything too hard for the Lord. We don't want to hear the excuses. Don't make excuses before the Lord why you can't go and why you're not available and why you can't get this job and can't get into this college and these sorts of things. Wrong side of the track, wrong ethnicity, wrong gender. No. Is anything too hard for the Lord? The world's all about all this equality stuff. We can all do it, but they're doing it for the world and the temper and the glory of man. What God wants to do in and through us is for his glory and for all eternity. Is anything in your life too hard for the Lord? and may you answer in your heart right now absolutely not Jennifer Monroe who fellowships here when she went to Afghanistan at the beginning of the year she's a cosmetologist in Orange County a woman of the 80s you know like she you know grew up in the 80s and i asked her when i was praying for her, going to afghanistan like what would compel you a woman 40ish from Orange County Cosmetologist. There's a lot of 40ish cosmetologists in Southern California, in Orange County, who do hair, beauticians, various things. Like, what would compel you to decide in 2019 that you're going to go with the Korean ministry to Afghanistan and go door to door and share Jesus? She said, "I made myself available to the Lord at the beginning of the year. Where we would open the doors, I would go, and He opened the door for Afghanistan, and she went, and she came back safely. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And by the way, when she arrived, she didn't. Know, the people that were supposed to show up and get her at Kabul Airport, did not show up. How's that? After transferring from Istanbul." Can you imagine a transfer, you world travelers, a transfer from Istanbul to Kabul? Like, I think if you're going to Istanbul Airport, that's, that's a far enough ending for me, as far as I can think. But a connection to Kabul, and you get off the plane and no one's there. You ever been to a foreign country and people aren't there to meet you? I have. I arrived at Peru in 2011 for the World Junior Championships, and there's supposed to be someone there to meet me. I walk out there, there's no one there. It's a very scary feeling. To go to a foreign country you've never been to, get off the plane and not have the people there that are supposed to meet you there. Is anything too hard for the Lord? How about being an American woman from Orange County? White American woman from Orange County going to Kabul to serve and to share. Is anything too hard for the Lord? You cannot look at your limitations in the mirror. But we need to look up with expectation. We don't want to be getting and say, oh, you've got the wrong person into the Lord. I'm, my father's house is, my father's tribe is the least of the tribes. My father's house is the least of the houses. And I am the least of my father's house. In other words, I am the last person you want to pick in the draft for serving the Lord. And what does the Lord say? Go, you mighty men of God, in the strength of yours. Is anything too hard for the Lord? We so often miss the Lord because we limit the Lord by what we see in the mirror and the excuses we make for our shortcomings and failures. Last week, I went to Skid Row and hooked up with my good friend Brad Hill, who actually was the person who destroyed the church in Virginia with sin. He was the one we put in charge. And he went on a 15-plus year of drugs and alcohol, losing everything. By his own admission, 11 felonies after being the pastor of the church in Virginia Beach. 11 felonies. He's been clean for nine years. He's had a ministry with homeless and drug addicts and whatnot. And they're in Winchester, Virginia. I've not seen him since that all happened. I've always regretted not seeking him out when it all went down because he committed felonies against the congregation. And we had to clean it up with Brian Brodison and everybody. We had to do our part to try and bring the church back together again. It was a very difficult, horrible, gut-wrenching experience. But I I forgave Brad, and I've never seen him since. And he reached out recently, and Brad, it's so good to hear from you. He pastors a church of 500 drug addicts, recovering drug addicts. Good for you. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I can't tell you how much joy it was to be serving at Union Mission this week with Brad Hill. God, you are so good. And everything with the Lord is forward, onward, and upward. I was like, Brad Hill. He's like, can we take a couple pictures together? Because I got friends on Facebook who used to go to the church in Virginia. It would mean a lot for me to have a picture with you. I'm like, of course, 25 years. you know how joyful it is for me to be restored in a relationship with my right-hand man? You think of Jeremy and Brian Jameson, these guys have been with me. Brad Hill was by my side for six years of ministry, my right-hand man. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I hope he makes it. I hope he's faithful to the end. I really do. If he's not, I want him to go forward. See, when you get older, you don't want anything bad on anybody. You want people to make it. And love hopes anew. Love never fails. And love keeps no record of wrong. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And you look here, the last thing we see in closing is that phrase, is anything too hard for the Lord? And he says, at the appointed time, I will return according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. There is an appointed time where those things come to pass in our life. There's an appointed time of restoration and healing. There's an appointed time of forgiveness and compassion at a level maybe you never knew you had. There's divine appointments that have been waiting for decades to be made for healing, for you, for others. What was Jennifer Monroe's journey in 2018 that led her to go to Afghanistan, Tunisia, and Turkey in 2019? In the appointed time, you will go. There's times and seasons of sorrow and heartache and disappointment, and there's we want faithfulness undergirding all of it. And then there's the appointed time. What if everything in your life, the trials, the tribulations, the heartache, the suffering, the pain, physically, emotionally, the bad decisions you've made, we've made, decades of trying to beat drugs and alcohol. You know, my friend Brad, I met him when I did the drug and alcohol ministry at Calvary Vista, 88, 89, 90. I saw him get clean. I discipled him. He was the fruit of that ministry. We went back to Virginia and planted a church and we left him in charge of that church. But what if in the appointed time, oh, I'm so glad I lived to see that day last week. Because there's people that came and went and I didn't see that day. I didn't take the phone call from Phil Petronas when he was dying of cancer. I was at the bank. I was like, I'm in line at the bank. I can't take this call. I knew Phil Petronas had terminal cancer. Uh, 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 He's calling from England. Take it. I'm at the bank. I'm busy, busy, dreadfully busy. Take the call. I'm busy. He'll call tomorrow. He died tomorrow. The appointed time. Don't miss it. You just never know. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And the answer is no. Seek the Lord. Seek his will. Abide in him. Trust in him. Believe in him. And let him bring the promises to pass in your life. Oh, the nations and the kings, yes, but he's got the baby for you. And who knows the journey that prepares you for that day and those things for such a time as this, for the whole purpose of your life by which you've been created and sustained by the Lord. It's too early to quit. We're believing right to the last breath. Amen? Amen. Sarah laughed. Sarah laughed because she counted him faithful who promised it. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God not ashamed, bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the gospel.